Welcome back. I am so excited that you have joined me again in the Aligned Womb, Aligned You podcast. I'm Kate Nagai, and I am your host and womb guide on this journey. I'm here to help you to lean into the language of your menstrual cycle so that you can align yourself and awaken and activate to your womb wisdom to live the most inspired life. I am so excited to jump into this episode and to dive into today's topic. So let's get started. This week, I am bringing on someone who this is my first time meeting, and I'm so excited to hear her journey of how she got here, her teachings, and what she's bringing out into the world. Because I, after reading her bio, I was like, I need to know more, and I need to, I need to know this for myself. So I'm so excited to invite and to bring to all of you, Jessica Oyanagi. Jessica is passionate about leading a conscious, desire-driven life and teaching women how to live fully too. For too long, women have been taught that their desires come last, as we many of us can agree to, and Jessica's on a mission to change this narrative. Bloom, which is her women's empowerment community, is a nurturing space where women can devote themselves to exploring their personal expansion. Jessica wants women to have the continuous access to the education, community supports, and tools they need to become a joyful, flourishing woman. Most importantly, though, she believes in helping women discover their true power and reach their fullest potential in life. So welcome, Jessica. I cannot wait to jump into this conversation to learn more about your Bloom community and to really dive into this idea of how we can be really expansive and we can put ourselves first because I'm a mom of three <laughs> and putting myself first is something that's still a huge learning curve for me. It is, it is hard. It's, it's interesting that I can teach this, but then to actually put it into motion is a whole nother ball game. So I can't wait to join this conversation and chat all about how we can tap into our feminine nature to really design the life that we truly desire. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I'd love to just comment on what you said about being a mother of three <laughs> and and it being so difficult because right before I came on, I was doing a little meditation and thinking about what we were going to discuss and I, I thought, you know what, at the very top, I just want to say, just because this is something that we're teaching in my community, it doesn't mean that I am an expert at it by any means. It is absolutely a practice, right? Something that we have to continuously remind ourselves because putting ourselves first as women is not something that's natural, right, in our culture and in our, in our communities. So I just wanted to touch on that <laughs> very top of the conversation. And I, I think it's great that you brought that up because what comes to my mind right away, and at least this has been my journey, is that the work that I do, what I put out into the world is something that I found because I needed it. And it landed so well in me that I was like, everyone needs to know this. It doesn't mean that I've perfected it by no means. It means that it was the catalyst to get me curious to go, everyone has to explore this. And so I'm guessing, just like what you just iterated there was that this experience has been something that it was like this landed in me and I need to I need to know it and then I need to like work on it as I'm working with community because community is so important doing this alone I think we've been doing that way too long as women of trying to parent by ourselves trying to establish a home by ourselves trying to build careers by ourselves 
and it's lonely. So I think when we can find this information or these tools and then say, hey, I want to put this into practice with community, it's that much more powerful. So yes, yes to everything you said. So let's talk a little bit about this Bloom community because I'm a little bit curious about your background, how you started to create Bloom and what it all consists of. Yeah. So it's been a little bit of an interesting journey to this point. So, I mean, my background is actually as a photographer. That was what my career was for over 20 years. Um, So creativity was always really important to me. I always worked, though, in corporate environments, corporate cultures, um, very male-dominated, very patriarchal in nature, everything from Boeing to a newspaper. I mean, we're talking like I was in the minority <laughs> being a, wo- a woman, right? In these, in these places, these workplaces. And about five plus years ago, I left my regular W2 job it was the first time I'd ever done that. And I started my first business, which was a photography business. And that journey has led me to actually owning three different businesses now at this point in time. And throughout that time, I just really realized that a lot of the education, mentorship, coaching that was out there for business women was taught by men. And it was very much just a continuation of kind of that hustle and grind culture that I had experienced as a W-2 worker, right? And so I realized over the last few years, I really needed to find communities and coaches education that were taught by women, because I don't feel that women approach not only if they own a business, but their lives the same way that men do. We're just wired completely differently. We have a completely different set of, of strengths and skills, right? And I thought, oh my gosh, I really need to find some women, right, to learn from. And so, you know, you and I met through Kate Northrup's origin community, that's been a really powerful community to be part of. And I've always loved teaching. I've always taught everything I've done from photography to real estate. Like I've always mentored other people. And so I thought, gosh, I would love, I started out, I started Bloom actually just for business women in the beginning. And I thought I would love to coach women who are starting and growing businesses to run their businesses or actually incorporate their business into their life in a more holistic way. And I realized after about a a year of building this community that a lot of what we're talking about, um, coaching to, hosting events around, isn't necessarily just about business. It's really about expanding and growing as a woman, as a whole. And so I got a lot of feedback from women saying, you need to open this up to all women and not just women business owners. So that's kind of the transition that we're making in Bloom right now um, in the last month or two is serving all women in what we do. Um, And so for me, it's just become a mission of empowering women, right? Giving them the resources, the tools to help them grow to their fullest potential. Um, So that's kind of the journey of of how it all came about. And ultimately, it's myself. We also have a mindset and clarity coach. Her name is Miracle. Um, So there's two main coaches right now. Um, We have a guest workshop every month with a different guest uh, woman coach. And ultimately, my goal is to have many coaches, many women coaches inside of our community, not just me. (laughs) So that way people can learn from different women and their perspectives. So, yeah. That is so awesome. And that is a community that I can totally get behind because I think... I think that's what we're really lacking a lot of is that community connection and being able to be in, I don't even want to use the word sacred space because I think we use the word sacred space often, 
And it is a sacred space, but it's more than just, I think the idea of what we created a sake, the idea of sacred behind, right. And really making it uh, a safe space. That's what I, yeah, yeah. It's really become a safe space. The women who come on a regular basis, they're get they get to know each other, right. We get to help lift each other up. Um, And I think that idea of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and doing it all on your own again is just patriarchal programming, right? Like be independent, do it all on your own. I mean, that's, my dad was a huge influence on me (laughs) growing up and that was always what he preached. And so this is also new for me as it might be for you where I'm realizing like, holy cow, there's so much more we can do together, right? As a community that we can't do alone and asking for help and finding that support. There's a lot of value in that, that I don't think I I realized before. So yeah, a hundred percent. You used a term that this was not on the plan of what we're going to talk about today, (laughs) but it's interesting because in the past, I would say year and a half, maybe two years, but most likely year and a half, the word patriarchy has been coming up so much. And I remember when I first started to hear it, especially in coaching calls, there was so much resistance. Like it was like this idea of patriarchy. I think like, I think some of that like resistance that I was having was because I wanted to gem- gently tippy toe on topics. I didn't want to blow the world up. I didn't want to blame people. Um, which is kind of funny because that is one of like my, <laughs> that's one of my like natural tactics is to blame. <laughs> but this idea of patriarchy really made me uncomfortable in the beginning. And now it's something that I'm so deeply curious about because I'm starting to see how much it has completely impacted women and anyone really who really resonates with divine or not even divine with feminine energy. Let's just say feminine energy. Anyone who feels a pulsation of that, as soon as you feel it, it's almost like we have to turn the dial down and forget that it even existed. And so patriarchy is something that I have been playing with and wanting to talk more about. And I even created a module in my membership on the patriarchy. But before I can even record, like I have a guest speaker module in there and I have some handouts, but for me to do the content portion of that video, it's been on pause for six months now because there's like this fear of like, I don't know enough. I, <laughs> I don't have enough facts. And like, so that like that part of me that has to like make sure that I'm not overstepping or not, or that if I'm going to disrupt the system, I'm going to dis- disrupt it with a lot of knowledge has really kicked in. And I finally told myself on the weekend, I'm like, enough's enough. You're recording this stupid video. You know what you want to say. And it doesn't matter if you have enough information because you feel it and there is an impact on so many layers and it's going to keep evolving like it's evolved in me for a year and a half. So little side note here, because you use the word patriarchy and I want to, I just, I'm curious, how has this coming into the idea of patriarchy disrupting your life or disrupting your hopes or your dreams or your visions or your motivation to go in the world and be you become a part of your work? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, first of all, I just want to, I want to meet you where you're at and say that, yes, the, the word patriarchy can be very hot. It can be very triggering and it brings up a lot of emotion And I think a lot of people think when you say, oh, I'm anti-patriarchy, that you're anti-men, which is not the case. 
um, that uh, the patriarchal system also affects men in brutal ways, you know, by them feeling they always have to be the ones that are always go, go, go and be the provider and be the strong one and be tough and don't show your emotions. Right. So it's not just women that it affects, right. We need a balance between the masculine and feminine energies. If our communities and our societies and our world are going to function the best way possible, that's, that's just Mm -hmm. truth. And so the fact that we have systems, whether it's education, our families, our workplaces that are put in place to favor one sex over the other, or the way that traditionally, you know, one sex has done things, let's say, um, I think it's toxic. It's damaging it in the long run. If we continue to put the blinders on and only operate in a particular way. Um, and I think there's a lot of quote unquote feminine qualities you would call feminine that if we were to incorporate them into our workplaces, education, you know, all these systems, um, gosh, it would, the world would be a better place. I mean, let's just be (laughs) honest. So, Am I someone that has all the facts and data about, you know, the patriarchy and what it means and what it's done? And, the, you know, are there statistics out there? I have no idea. But like you said, all I know is my own story, right? That's all, that's all we can ever know is our own experience and how it's impacted us. And quite frankly, for me as a, a mom, a working mom, I'd say that tendency to overpush, overwork and be borderline on burnout that is something that I've been healing for a long, since I started my own business, really, because I realized, oh, I have more freedom now. I don't have to do things. I was just trying to continue the patterns I had before with my businesses, right? And I realized I don't have to do it that way. We don't have to do life the way it's always been done or others have told us to do it. But I mean, even, I'll just give you a, a small example. We just moved, right? And every day my husband would be like, okay, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do the other? And I found myself, despite my own needs, right, my own wants for my days, making sure I got those things he asked me to do done because we better get it done. And my husband, you know, I mean, that's so silly. Like here I am teaching groups of women to put themselves first. And it's so ingrained that like, I mean, the core, the core of it is worth and value, right? It's if we work hard, if we put others first, then we'll be loved and we'll be accepted in, into our societies. And if we don't do those things, oh crap, you know, you're going to be shunned and you're going to be shut out of your community. That That's really at the core fear, right, of it all. So every time we choose, you know, for example, the other day I chose to take a walk instead of doing the to-do list that we talked about. You know, it's like, oh, there's that little bit of resistance. But then once I, I choose myself and my health first, I know it, you can just feel feel the difference. And then I can approach those to-dos with a completely different energy, right? That's embracing the feminine, in my opinion, is following your organic nudges to do what's best for you, your health, your body first, right? And not always putting productivity and work at the forefront. And that's to me, wow, the biggest uh, change I'd like to create <laughs> through Bloom and, and even for my daughters, you know? So, and again, not just for women, but for men too, for, for everybody. So- And I think this is like a great little like weave or (laughs) meander into the conversation of what you're talking about when we talk about tapping into our feminine nature, design the life that we truly desire. And so I know that an element of your work or what I've been reading about an element of your work is how you work with women to break through the cultural programming that puts them second and doesn't put them in first and how it can be really scary for these women to show up in their power 
whether it be with family, with friends, intimate relationships, in their relationship with their children, of saying, I'm important too, and how, and this is what I need, and this is how I need this to play out. So as a women's empowerment coach, how do you help women see that they need to put these desires first or to teach them tactics and tools so that it can become more ease and flow of putting themselves first versus meeting it with resistance or, but I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Oh gosh. Children too. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a whole yeah. other conversation. I'm constantly tell, you know, talking to my girls about, you know what mom needs to, yeah exercise, workout, make my lunch, whatever it is first. And then I can help you. You know, I remember growing up, my mom, it was always, she would drop everything for us every single time. And she was tired like all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it's not just in our workplaces. Yeah. Our, our, our families are especially important. So I feel like almost every single coaching call that we have, we're discussing somehow it comes around to the topic of, yeah, it, it's scary right? To show up in new ways with our families in our communities, right? And I still feel after maybe four or five years of doing this type of work, I get all kinds of resistance and pushback from my, from my family and people that I know the best and friends who just do not get it. They do not understand. And that can be really scary and really hard. You know, um, a, I'd say finding a community like bloom or probably the community that you have, um, is key, right? Finding other like-minded women, having that safe space to go. So, you know, it's normal and you can continue to do the work is extremely important. Um, I would say asking for and receiving help is something we talk about a lot because like you said, we're used to being the ones that do all the things right. And especially in our family lives <laughs> or our businesses or workplaces. And I think even myself too often, you know, I find myself going, gosh, I should have asked for help with that. Why did I, you know, overextend myself like that? And so making a regular practice of either asking for help, hiring help, that's another option, right? Like I have a house cleaner now. I've never had that before in my whole life. Um, and then receiving it. That's another kind of difficult thing. Cause you know, often as women, we can be like, I can do that better. I can do that quicker. I can do that more efficiently. I'm going to jump in and just handle it myself. Right. And so allowing others to help you is also a gift, not only for you, but for them. Right. Um, especially our children. Right. It, <laughs> it teaches really us speaking not- to the control freak in me right now. Yes. Yeah. And we have to also be okay in that receiving with things not being perfect and not going exactly the way that we would do things. Like, yeah, I could go into stories on that, but I won't. Um, so yeah, asking for and receiving help. We talk about that a lot. Um, boundaries. That is a huge, another hot, like that makes me feel weird when I say the word <laughs> boundaries. Um, but talking about setting boundaries, enforcing boundaries, you know, just because you have a boundary and you tell someone what your new boundary is, doesn't mean that they're going to honor that right away. You may have to repeat it and practice it over and over and over again with the same people in your life. Okay. Um, but they're so, so important for protecting, right. Your joy, your happiness, your health. Um, something that Kate Northrup teaches us a lot that I'm just starting to experiment with too, is the physical side of, of kind of healing this gap, which is like your central nervous system healing, incorporating movement into your life, um, 
perhaps maybe meditation or like now I have mantras I repeat every day. So there's a little bit of woo that we bring in <laughs> into the community, especially with Coach Miracle, um, because it's all the above, right? You can't just expect to take the action-oriented tactics and that that's the whole picture. I think there's a lot more to these topics um, than just that linear kind of left brain thinking about it. I think you have to kind of hit it, <laughs> hit it from all angles. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as I was hearing you talk, one that came to mind is coming in with a curious mindset. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the, what you're coaching and what you're teaching and what I'm hearing you speak of here, it's a different way of existence than we've probably been told that we can function in. And different can sometimes feel impossible or uncomfortable or not something that's even plausible for ourselves. And so keeping that curious mindset of going, well, what if, or how can I take elements and put it in? And I could see that being really beneficial in putting yourself first. I don't know. But I I think that's where, where I've been working at a lot lately is, you know, keeping that curious mindset of, I've, I've really had to work hard in this last year of getting very clear about what it was that I wanted my life to look like. Because I got on that hamster wheel, <laughs> that hamster wheel that told me that I had to keep pushing, 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 striving, meeting certain marks, right? Especially as a business owner. And when you're self-employed, knowing that financially, for me to be able to contribute to the household, this is what it had to look like. And then hitting a point where it was just like, there's burnout happening now. And this is an, and even though I have the freedom that I wanted with being self-employed of being able to pick my kids up or drop them off at school to be able to go on field trips, things like that. There were so many other areas in my life that I let disappear because I got into the hustle culture or the expectations of where, what my community expectations were and what I had been taught. Right. And a lot of that, as I got clear on what was important to me, which really a key important factor to me was to be a more present and grounded mother and to show possibility. But I was not, I was not displaying that at all. And so what that meant, that meant I had to pull back a lot and that meant I had to set boundaries. And that meant that I had to change my expectations and see and be with that uncomfortableness. And when I changed my expectations, I realized a lot of those expectations were expectations that were set by the way I was raised, Mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't because my mom and my dad did anything wrong or whatever, but it was what they were trained. It was, you Mm -hmm. go to university, you pursue, you push, you succeed. If you don't succeed, then you fail. And then if you fail, you hustle even harder. (laughs) And so like, that was the culture I was raised in. That was the family life I was raised in is, you know, always seeing scarcity and always pushing for achievement. And it was breaking me because I was not taking care of my body and I was not being the parent I wanted to be. So I can completely relate to what you're saying here about putting yourself first and really reflecting and finding these key elements and working on the body. It's so amazing that when you get too caught up in hustle culture, how your body becomes last, not first. <laughs> yeah. And it will tell you, it will yeah. scream the loudest. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And with my work, my work's all around the menstrual cycle. And what I always tell women is that like usually that screaming period that you have, the one that's really painful or is all over the place or irregular, like that's our body screaming at us because we're not living in alignment with our hormones. And so this is a different element to look at of how we're living out of alignment by how we're showing up in the world and staying in the bud and not blooming, if I'm to use your words. <laughs> so. <laughs> So how can listeners use their natural energetic rhythms to design daily routines and wellness habits to best support their health? I did a a workshop at the end of last year about like strategic planning and setting your desires for 2023. And one of the things I think that resonated the most with the women on that call that I like to continuously bring back to the conversation in our coaching calls when, when people talk about uh, your day-to-day and your energetics is, again, we're taught to just, okay, follow that nine-to-five, push, 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 right, uh, regardless of our own individual bodies and individual needs. And, oh, my gosh, we're all so different, right? Like, my youngest daughter, she is up at 5 a.m., Every day, she wakes up, ready to eat breakfast, ready to go. And the rest of us are like dragging, right? And we're more uh, what I call a night owl, right? And so it just goes to show you, even from a very young age, yeah, we're all (laughs) wired completely differently. And so it's hard when people do have that nine to five brain, because if you do have obligations like that, that they're real, right? They're part of your reality, Um, A lot of the women in our community are business owners, so they have more flexibility, but I still think there's opportunity regardless to try to plan your days according to your rhythms, right? (laughs) Like, let's pay attention. Um, For example, again, I'm not a morning person, right? So the mornings are really sacred to me. That's my time to do me, meditate, stretch, exercise, do the quieter things that I know I want to do in my life, right? Um, this time of day that we're on between like nine and noon is my most energetic time. So that's when I like to do my forward facing things, right? Come two o'clock, I am like ready for a nap. So sometimes I will take a nap if that's an option. Sometimes it's a coffee break. Sometimes it's a walk, right? Because I know I need a refresher at that time. So (sighs) learning to listen to your rhythms and kind of plan not only for productivity and the things you need to do, but also planning for the rest and the breaks and time for, you know, fun and joy and making sure that those things are actually scheduled in and you're, you're following through and you're actually making time for those things. That's what we talk about in our community. And it's so hard, like it's so simple, but it's really difficult for women to think in this way, because again, we've just been taught to kind of follow the routine and do what we're told when we, if we stop and really look at it, there's a lot more opportunity for freedom in the time we do have and kind of making sure that it's aligning with our, ourselves energetically than, than we probably thought before. So that is huge, 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 something that's been life-changing for me and I know a lot of the women in our community love. So, Well, culturally, we've not really been taught to schedule play. We've been taught to schedule tasks and mm-hmm. things that have to get accomplished and then if there's time, that's when play comes in. Right. So right. listening to you talk right now, I'm just going to give myself a little pat on the back because <laughs> I actually just, I, it was just this week, I sat down because summer vacation is not too far mm-hmm. away. 
Mm-hmm. And I know that I still have to do things like I still have to work, but I'm going to have my kids home. And I was like, how am I going to do this all? And so I just this week scheduled my fun time every day and Yay. rearranged my online booking schedule. So that way it reflects so that I can have pleasure and joy and fun with my kids. And I'm doing it based upon weather, not so I'm kind of going Normally I would do all of my work in the morning because that's when I'm most energetic, but where I'm at, so, like the summertime, the afternoons are bloody hot here and I have fair skin and red hair and I burn so easily. So I have booked it so that I only work in the afternoons after one o'clock and then the mornings are completely for us to go and have fun and do the activities where we're outside getting the fresh air, touching the ground, playing, having fun exploring And then we come home and have lunch and then I will hit the books and get stuff done when it's way too hot. And I don't want to be outside because that's when I get cranky. (laughs) Well, and I love that. And maybe, you know, I I gave the example, right. Of like my most energetic time is this time. So that's when I like to do my forward facing stuff, but um, hello, who's to say you can't use that energetic time. Yeah. To play with your children. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. (laughs) During the summer break, how many summer breaks are they going to have where they want to play with their mom? I mean, that's also equally important. So I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks so, for sure. Without being aware that was where we were going today, I did it. So I'm like, yay. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Are you feeling overwhelmed, run down, exhausted, and just taken down by your period every month? And is your PMS feeling like it's just taking over your life and that you just cannot tolerate people during that few days before your period? I'm here to offer a solution. I'm offering a brand new course called The Healed Cycle. This course was inspired and developed due to all of my friends, all of my clients sharing their experiences of just feeling done with being a woman. And I want to transform and change that. I want to revolutionize the way you feel about your period and about being a cyclical woman. So come on over, join us in the Healed Cycle. We are only keeping the doors open for five days. So Saturday, June 3rd, doors close. So you will want to grab your spot now. For all links, check the links in the show notes below. And then another big part, a component of your work is also teaching women to follow intuition. And this one, like the patriarchy, the intuition has been a piece that it took me a long time to figure out how I wanted to teach or approach or encourage women around. Because once again, this is a term, it's not tabooed, but it's not talked about because I think that when people think of intuition, they automatically think of psychics and, you know, predicting the future. Like somehow this intuition is like magic and it's not an actual thing. And like, I think when I first started to explore healing and coming into alignment with myself and starting to design my life, intuition was one of the first tools that I had to get comfortable with and really learn what that meant for me. So I'm curious, how do you take women on this journey of dipping into their intuition? And what does that look like? Like, what is intuition in in your container or in your mindset? Yeah, I mean, they don't call it women's intuition for <laughs> no reason. <laughs> and, and this 
totally goes back to that masculine versus feminine energy approach, right? Like we're literally in my life, I can count, I can't even count how many times I've been told to override my intuition and just get it done, right? Like override and just go, um, be productive no matter what. And for me, I just feel like, yeah, it's a practice. Like you just talked about, it's something we have to continuously remind ourselves, right? Oh, but how many times can you think of in your life when you make that a decision on something that's not aligned with your intuition and your gut feel? And then down the line, you realize, holy cow, the red flags were there. I knew from the get-go that this wasn't the right choice. Why did I do this to myself? It turned out to be a mess, right? Um, just because maybe an expert told you or your, your family said you should do it or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And if you take the time, I think, to just get quiet. I hate to say that, but it's really hard to hear your intuition when you're always going, 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 especially like when you're a mom and you have kids that are like making a lot of noise and maybe not a lot of time for yourself. So I think making time specifically to connect with your intuition is really, really key. And the reason for this is because if you take that time to really reflect, listen to those nudges, right? And before you make the decisions, then you're going to be making an aligned decision that probably is going to turn out so much better. It's going to, you know, you're not going to have so much heartache, right? Hopefully it's going to turn out more successful when you're making these more aligned decisions. So for me, it's meditation, journaling, going for walks, um, doing something simple like a a body scan. You know, you can ask yourself a question and answer answer and see how it feels in your body, right? If you pay attention to where you carry tension when something is wrong intuitively or it feels bad, right? You know where you hold that. All of us are different, but you know how that feels compared to something that feels like, hell yes, and is expansive. And oh, I just got tingles, like joyful, exciting, right? Like if we pay attention to our bodies and what our intuition is telling us, Oftentimes it's going to lead us to making those, those decisions that are best for us, but it's about listening and following through, even when logic might tell you otherwise, that's when it's the hardest, right? Is when you're like, gosh, my gut is just telling me yes, yes, yes. But the logic is telling me no, no, no. What do I do? You know, and I would, I would just encourage you to try to find that time and space to get quiet for yourself and really listen to your intuition I mean, I try to do it daily, like on the regular, right? <laughs> um, so that's what we talk about in Bloom is, is that practice of listening um, when you're trying to make big decisions in your life, or some, even small decisions in your life. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Richard Rude's work. He does work all around yeah, the human design and through yeah. the Gene Keys. And one thing that he said that it was the first time, like it hit me so profound that I was like, ah, I get it. (laughs) Was his statement was that wisdom is feminine and wisdom is the knowing and not having the proof of the knowing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Which means that knowledge is masculine and knowledge is what we've already, already proven to have some element of truth or practice or meaning behind it, like that there's something that validates it. And so we coming like, I guess, full circle in a way to where we started the conversation at is that the patriarchy, one thing that is taught us 
is that everything has to be knowledge based. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, and what I have really been feeling into this last year, even as I work on my own body and my own healing journey, is that knowledge is what's holding me back from actually knowing what I need. And in particular, I just did two different uh, sessions on the podcast on this on medicine of just my inner wisdom was telling me what was going on. But when you ask a doctor or a physician, there's no, you're not right. You're wrong. Right. And particularly Mm -hmm. like I have, I've been really dealing with a lot in life lately and low motivation and feeling really exhausted all the time. And then there were subtle things my body was doing like hair loss and brittle nails and some other really big red flags. And I knew there was a hormone imbalance. I just didn't know what that would look like. Like what was going on in my system? And my brain right away went to cortisol because that's like the hot, Mm -hmm. the hot thing that we're talking about these days is stress levels and adrenal fatigue. And I was like, I must have adrenal fatigue. And I did a hormone test and what came back was that my testosterone was super, super low, like really low. And all of those things, motivation, risk-taking, wanting to be visible, wanting to like be known is all testosterone. And so it was really interesting that I was using knowledge to say that it was, was stress, that it was overwhelmment. When in fact, it was something else that my body was, the wisdom was there. It was showing it to me. I just had to to listen to it and to like turn off the thinking mind. But even when I went to go see a doctor over it, his response was testosterone is a male hormone and that won't affect you. And it's not a big deal. Wow. Wow. Not a big (laughs) deal. (laughs) In that moment, I was like, okay, my wisdom, my inner knowing says that's fine. That's what you believe. But can you please just test it with the blood work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and asking for what I needed because I yeah. knew. But this is where I'm saying, like, this is the, turning off our intuition or our wisdom is a way to really shut down some opportunities that are there, right? Like, if I would have just went on knowledge, I would have walked out of that appointment going, okay, right. So it's not testosterone that can't be what's impacting me, and still feeling gross in my body, versus now having the evidence and the proof and doing things to boost my testosterone naturally and through different supplements and through food. And so it was an important lesson for me once again, to tap in to the wisdom, to shut down the medical knowledge, to go against the grain of what the systems had said need to be, to really come into alignment with what I need to be true. And now I feel so much better. I'm ready to get playful again. Yeah. Well, and we're always taught to trust experts, to trust people outside of ourselves. And again, that's a huge disservice, not only to women, but to human beings, <laughs> to not trust your inner knowing, you know? I mean, yeah, yes. he would have just turned you away. So, wow. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. So when we trust our intuition, we are knowing that the the knowing is within and not always without. Right. Um, because like you said, and that's a great phrase that you just said of that, we go to the experts because they know, and we seek knowledge because we seek outwards when intuition is telling us that it's all in us. It's all, it's all there. Yeah, so. it sure is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so do you have, do you have tips on building intuition to like really hone in and trust this intuition, this 
Like what would be your number one tool to really center yourself and trust your inner knowing? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think meditation or just quiet, just being quiet, like alone with yourself, quiet for at least 15 minutes. <laughs> um, and whether, you know, sometimes I have a journal and I'll write down things that come in. Sometimes I don't need that. That's the thing is I don't think there's one tool that works necessarily. Um, but I do think being alone with yourself, with your body, with your mind and checking in about stuff like you just talked about med- medical issues, a, d- a decision about your career or relationships, you know, it's, it's those things that keep coming back to us over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And like you said, you just feel like something's despite the knowledge, despite the information, maybe you've done the research, maybe you just feel like something's not quite right. Something's a little off or opposite, right? You could feel like, Ooh, I keep being drawn to this particular thing, person, idea. I don't have any idea why it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, what is that? Like you said, you have to be curious, open-minded and growth oriented to do this kind of work at all. You can't be shut off from that. So I do think solitude, stillness, quiet, anything you can do to achieve that. I know it's hard and it can be uncomfortable sometimes, especially if it's not something you practice regularly. But for me, that's been the game changer. And I would say with meditation, because it was a struggle, like meditation is now like, uh, I cannot miss it every day kind of thing. But back when I was first learning it, it was so hard to do. And it was hard to do with little kids. So all the moms mm-hmm. out there that are like, how do you meditate when you have kids? I hear you. I see you. <laughs> I think we can completely relate to that. And one thing that someone had told me, which was like my, my way to start to reframe and change was do it in the shower. Just mm. when you're it's in the shower, spot. you're in there for at least five minutes, if not 10, <laughs> take those times and just feel the, the water hit your skin. Like use your senses and just let go of the thinking, let go of the chaos. You, if you're in the shower, obviously someone's watching your children or they're safe. Right. So just allow yourself to go into a place of like no thought, no worry, just you, right? And dipping into the senses really helps because like you can feel the water, you can touch your own skin when you're putting soap on, like you can really make it this experience that helps you ground into the here and the now. So if you're like me and you're struggling, (laughs) begin your practice in the shower. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) And you know, one thing that I've heard recently, and I've heard it a few times recently, so this must be a new thing that is the new, I don't know, buzzword or something, um, which I find really fascinating because I, I, I personally do not know this, but I'm putting it into practice right now is when you're journaling, Or when you are in any kind of exercise that is requiring you to like go in and to find answers or to like any personal development stuff is to handwrite it. Mm -hmm. And then handwriting that that is when our intuition gets sparked as well and insights come out. So when we handwrite versus typing on our computers is the experience of writing it out becomes more fluid and allows your hand to get into the flow and things will come through the pen that wouldn't otherwise, if you were looking at a screen and typing, which Mm -hmm. this is a new practice for me. I've just started it. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I agree with you. I'm a, I'm totally a computer person, but when it comes to that kind of stuff, yep. I I've heard that as well. So yeah. Well, and computers become like, it was my crutch where I was doing the computer for everything because I could type faster than I could handwrite. 
<laughs> but once again, it's getting back into that hustle culture of yeah. like trying to power through something to get it done versus to be in the experience of it. So as I've yeah. been handwriting for the past few weeks now, I'm like, okay, this is the experience. This is me slowing down to marinate in the experience. That's right. It is. <laughs> So let's go back and talk a little bit more about your Bloom community that you've created and crafted. You had mentioned um, that you do something called the cycle of support inside your Bloom membership. What exactly is that? And why did you decide to use a coaching cycle each month as opposed to a more linear approach to your coaching program? Yeah. So I'm very passionate about our cycle of support. Um, I came about six months after I started Bloom, um, just because women are cyclical in nature, right? And I felt like we needed to create some type of structure, right? To lead the women in our community through our coaching calls every month. Um, but I didn't want it to be like traditional coaching programs where it was like, okay, you'll work with me for eight weeks and we'll do step one through eight. And by the end of it, you'll be cured or whatever. <laughs> um, it's more of a space that women can come to over time throughout their life journey, regardless of where they're at, right? So we're not trying to solve one particular problem. Um, and I feel like growth is not linear in and of itself anyway, right? Um, it's very, when it's organic and it's happening the way it's supposed to, it's kind of all over the place, right? It's a meandering <laughs> journey. Um, so we created the cycle. Uh, it's called our cycle of support. And we have four, most week, most months have four weeks, right? So we have four different weeks that we go through in the cycle every single month. So the first week uh, is all about inspiration. So the women come into the community, we all discuss and coach around what we're inspired to create in our lives during that particular month. Okay. And this is super important, right? Because we can't actually bring our desires to life and change and grow if we're not taking the time to define what it is we're inspired to do, right? Again, just rushing into action, right? May mean that you're missing an important step, which is really identifying who you are and what you want. Okay. So that's week one. Uh, week two is all about activation. So we talk all about what are the actions that you need to take to make that inspiration actually come to life this month. Um, so this is a great, this is one of my favorites because of course it aligns with everything we've been taught, which is like, you know, how are we going to take action and make that idea and turn it into real life. Right. Um, so we have lots of tips and tricks during that week. Um, we try to not have like the accountability feel too daunting, but I think if women can walk away with one thing they're going to do, um, during the month, you know, sometimes that's enough. Um, so everyone has their own list of the actions they're going to take. And then week three is interesting. It's all about celebration. Um, so the reason we have a whole week dedicated to celebration is because in traditional hustle and grind culture, you don't get to celebrate until you've crossed the finish line, right? Until you've met that big goal, um, which is a bunch of crap in my mind. Um, I think it's important to celebrate as you are on the journey, right? Celebrate even the small little things that you're going through. And you wouldn't believe how many times we come to this week three call and women are like, I don't know. I don't, do I have anything to celebrate? Like they haven't even thought about the amazing things that they've done just in a few weeks since we first started meeting for the month. Um, so it really forces people to stop and think, yeah, I have made progress. I am, you know, going towards what I said I wanted to work on at the beginning of this month. So celebration is a really, really fun week. 
And then the last week, week four is all about reflection. So this is where we get the opportunity to kind of look back on the month. You know, did we do the things we said we wanted to do? What did we try? Um, where are the lessons learned? I won't say failures, but like maybe things didn't go the way that you planned and that's okay. Um, and if there are still wins that you'd like to celebrate, that's a good week to do that as well. So reflection is really powerful. Um, I myself struggle with this, right? Like taking the time to actually reflect and look back on what's happened. I'm usually looking ahead. Um, so it's a really powerful time to kind of reset before we start the cycle again at the top of the next month. So um, I'm just really love, love, love this framework. Um, I think it keeps women motivated and engaged, but it's not too overbearing where you feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't do my homework, I'm going to get in trouble, right? Like it's all, <laughs> it's all coming from the women themselves, right? So it's, it's really valuable, I think, to create that structure to kind of come together in the community, make sure we're all staying um, synchronized in a way, right? It helps us to synchronize um, and that we are actually working towards our desires and not just kind of flatlining in any one of those particular weeks. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's so great. Um, okay. So these calls, I always like to ask the question, what is a tip that you would like to give the listeners for how they can live a more womb-led life, a more feminine-inspired life, however you want to phrase it, what would be your tip for women to authentically line their lives? Yeah, and we've already actually talked about it several times <laughs> during this call, but um, that morning, the time in the morning that women can put aside for themselves, I think is a game changer. Um, I, like you, have young children and this started during the shutdown because I had both kids home. We were in a one bedroom, teeny tiny place during that time doing the homeschooling and all the things. And I was just like, I'm going nuts. I'm going insane. What can I do? And so every morning I would go out on the porch, right? They knew this is mom time. Don't come out. Um, I would have my cup of coffee. I would, whatever I need, meditate, stretch, journal, read, breathe. I mean, whatever it is you need, just creating, even if it's 15 minutes, right? That sacred, like you said, container for yourself um, to just be quiet and level set before you start your day is so important because I feel like now if I don't have that time, it's like everything gets wonky, right? And it, my energy is all over the place and it kind of bleeds out right into my morning and the rest of my day. Um, so yeah, I, my tip is to create that sacred space for yourself every single day if you can. Mm, I love it. I, I love the idea of having a sacred space, a sacred start is what I always call it, sacred start to my day, um, where it's just a moment for me. And interestingly enough, it's in a perfect world. I would love to do it as soon as I got up. <laughs> I would love to be able to cover all that time and make it just for me right then. Um, but what I have done, and I, I, I love to share this with women because I think we get so stuck on doing it oh, the right way, like that there's mm -hmm. somehow this magical right way to do it. Otherwise you're failing once again, or at least that's my brain, how it always works. But what I had to come to terms with was that for me pushing in the morning to try to do it first thing when I got up, it was impossible because my kids were so needy. <laughs> so it just was like, I just wouldn't do it. And so yeah. now what I do is we get up, we have breakfast, we get dressed, we get everything ready for school. I drop them off at school and I come home and I do my sacred, my sacred start at 9am yeah. Yeah. when the house is empty. Yeah. So, and 
I like, I know there's a lot of theories out there that doing it first thing in the morning when the sun rises, like as soon as you wake up, like it's an empty slate and things will, your intuition's more activated. But the reality for me was just that I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, not because I couldn't get out of bed, but because I had little people that would literally not let me do it. Yeah, And it felt like I was becoming more angry or more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like, resentful that you couldn't yeah (laughs) yes that I couldn't do it the way that I thought I should be doing it and so I just restructured it and now it's beautiful and I'm totally okay every morning of coming home and starting it at nine o'clock so for anybody listening the making the sacred time for yourself regardless of what time it's at it is so important right and maybe that's first nap of the day for your little one. Maybe that is first thing in the morning because everyone sleeps in, in your house, which is not my story. <laughs> or maybe it's doing it a few hours later when you know that you've got everyone settled yeah. and yeah. they will give you the space that you need. Right. And so just know that for me, at least it's been really important not to compromise it and just to find a workable time versus yeah. trying to do it at a certain time. And then saying that I'm failing at it or that it wasn't working. So definitely. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. It's not always at the same time for me. Is the important part. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. So if anyone wants to learn more about your bloom community, how they can find you just even follow you on Instagram. I don't know if you have an Instagram account, but <laughs> what are yeah. the ways that they can seek out your community and learn more about who you are and what you're offering in the world. Yeah. So it's the website's the best spot. It's bloom biz, B I Z community.com. Um, and then Instagram is the same. The handle is at bloom biz community, um, only because it used to be for business women, but I'm like, I'm not going through and changing. <laughs> it's still a business. So yeah, bloom biz community. That's where we're at. Um, you can come on in. We have Q and a sessions every week. If people want to get on a zoom with me and ask me questions about what it's like to join. Um, I'm even happy to let people come sit in on a call for free and see if it's something they're interested in. I think sometimes it's hard to articulate what we do, um, and the value, because it isn't like, Oh, you're going to come in our community and you're going to learn how to do X, Y, Z. Um, it's more of a support space, right? A safe space for women to come on a regular basis. So would love to have you. I love it. I love it. And all of those links will be added in the show notes below for anyone who is interested. Please definitely check out the work because I think us women need to tap in to what it is that we want. We want to be first. And so allowing us to create that space for us to be first is super important. So Yeah. So thank you so, so, so much for this call, Jessica. It was lovely talking to you and meeting you for the first time. Um, I was very thankful to have this past hour with you. So thank you. Thank you. The feelings are mutual. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Are you excited about aligning to your cycle? If so, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and like the episode if it really resonated with you. Until next time, remember, womb wisdom equals connection to self, which ultimately equals inspired living.